This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Walking Sticks. You don't need one, but they sure look cool. Hello everybody, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. This week, 1941's The Wolfman and 2010's The Wolfman. The late night feature, 1941's The Wolfman stars Claude Rains as Sir John Talbot, and Lon Chaney Jr. as Larry Talbot and our titular creature. Bella Lugosi even makes a guest appearance as the fortune teller, Bella. It was written by Kurt Siodmak, directed by George Wagner, and released in 1941. Claude Rains portrays the father of Lon Chaney Jr., who is the son, of course, of Lon Chaney Sr. Thus, Lon Chaney Jr.'s father in this movie and real-life father, Lon Chaney Sr., have both been the Phantom of the Opera in feature films. Lon Chaney Sr. was in the 1925 original, and Claude Rains was in the 1943 remake. Every time you say Claude Rains, I want to say he was the invisible man. He was the invisible man. That's true, just like the song. Claude Rains was the invisible man. Kelsey? Yes. What is the movie we're going to see about? A man returns home, learns about lycanthropy, or being a werewolf, and then becomes a werewolf. Yeah. All right. So... Uh, We're going to pause the podcast here so you can watch The Wolfman. Sir Jugular. Is that the way Jenny Williams was killed? Yes. Find something? Animal tracks. Whoever is bitten by a werewolf and lives becomes a werewolf himself. Oh, don't hand me that. You're just wasting your time. The wolf bit you, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he did. You wouldn't want to run away with a murderer, would you? Oh, Larry, you're not. You know you're not. I killed Bela. I killed Richardson. If I stay here any longer, you can't tell who'll be next. All right, Kelsey, now that we've actually seen the movie, what is it about? A man returns home after his brother dies in a hunting accident to take care of his father's estate. And he's been gone for 18 years. And he starts learning about the local legends about lycanthropy or being a werewolf. Werewolfism, as the movie actually refers to it. (laughs) Yes. And he buys a silver-handled cane, which has a wolf on it. And a pentagram, which if you listen back to our American Werewolf in London episode we actually talk about it it is the symbol of the werewolf and so he likes a girl and they go to get their fortunes told but then one of the fortune tellers bella bella lugosi ends up being a werewolf and so our main character lon cheney ends up killing the werewolf but when they come they only find a man and so he's being thought of as a murderer But he got bit while he was fighting the werewolf, and then he becomes a werewolf. Interestingly enough, this movie is not the original Wolfman, as I referred to it in the last episode. The original Wolfman was actually made in 1924. It was an American silent film, but it is now presumed lost. It's one of those movies you don't think about a lot in the history of film, but there are tons and tons of movies that are made that were just destroyed. And for various reasons, for the resources that the chemical in the film is used for, and because of that chemical, also a lot of these films caught fire and were destroyed. And they're just films that we will never, ever see, and it's kind of a bummer. But there was an original Wolfman that nobody here will be ever be able to see, so this one is widely regarded as the original Wolfman. It starts out with something that apparently wasn't too common back then. It's one of only a few films up to this point that has it, but it starts like a sitcom. There's a character introduction. The way they do the credits is by showing little silent clips of the characters. 
and, and showing the actor's name and who plays them, I half expected them to turn to the camera and just smile <laughs> like you'd see in the intro to Family Matters or, or Full House. It's the first Universal picture to do this since The Black Cat in 34. So seven years prior to that, uh, that, that does this thing. The first thing I noticed was, ah, the classic... British father and American son. <laughs> right, yeah. He's super American. And the other guy's super Claude British. Claude Rains is totally British. Welcome home, Larry. I'm mighty glad to be here, father. Yeah. But they're never really clear on where they are, and then everyone else around them is American, so... Yeah, <laughs> I get the feeling that they're somewhere vaguely in Europe, but we don't really know where. Yeah. What would you like to say about the Wolfman, Kelsey? Well, it's interesting, because... They open, well, after they do the credits, they open with a shot of a book that tells you the definition of lycanthropy. And I found lycanthropy. it. Lycanthropy. Oh. And I thought it was really interesting that it described it as a disease where people think they've turned into werewolves. I didn't know that was a disease. Yeah. So I don't know how real that is, if it's an actual thing, but early on, that is kind of the definition of lycanthropy, and it's not the way we know it. Today, today, it's just so closely regarded as the werewolves that we know now. This movie actually introduced a lot of werewolf tropes that didn't exist beforehand. First of all, the first thing that it introduced is the nursery rhyme. I don't know if it's a nursery rhyme, but it's still a rhyme. A poem. I didn't know if it was a real poem it or not. It isn't. And it goes, even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolf bane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. You notice something that isn't there as a requirement for them to turn into the wolfman? The moon. Yeah, it doesn't require a full moon. Way back when, here, it doesn't actually require that. Speaking of lycanthropy just being a disease of the mind... In the original script, you would never actually see the Wolfman. And it was just going to be an open question where you weren't really sure if he was crazy or if he was really a Wolfman. This poem is actually in every Universal film after this where the Wolfman appears. And it's in the Van Helsing movie from the 2000s as well. Although slightly modified where they actually include instead of the autumn moon is bright they refer to the wolf to the uh full moon and so here's what this movie introduces a person becomes a werewolf through a bite from another werewolf the only way to kill the werewolf is with a silver bullet or a silver knife or a silver handled stick <laughs> the idea though i don't know why they referred to it that way because it's much clearer he beats it to death with the silver part not the stick part it's the silver that kills it. That wasn't a thing before this. Popularly. Actually, though, it was used in the late 19th century, a story called The Beast of Gavadon or Gevadon. They're novels, and it's even in 1930s novels, featuring the slaying of a werewolf with a silver bullet. This was the first film to do the whole silver killing a werewolf thing. Werewolves and their victims are marked with pentagrams. That started here. In folklore... You become a werewolf by being cursed or by making a pact with the devil. You could turn it anytime because the full moon was not a requirement. And they're totally mortal. They live like humans. They could be killed just like any other human. So before some early novels and particularly this film, them being immortal was like not a thing. And them being only killed by silver wasn't a thing. Later movies added the immortality. It was the sequel to this movie that first introduced the full moon so a couple things about this man's relationship with his father first of all he's <laughs> way taller than claude rains yes absolutely is he is really funny and he doesn't look anything like it claude rains is kind of a diminutive person <laughs> and lon cheney jr is very tall he doesn't look like him at all he doesn't sound like him yeah it's hey movies back then you didn't even need to cast for familial relationships and they say that he's been gone for 18 years, but everybody acts like they have no idea who this person is. And I'm just like, but this is the castle. This is Talbot's castle. This is where he grew up. Why does he seem so like a fish out of water? Even if he's been gone for 18 years, like you'd think that he'd have friends from his childhood. I didn't look something. up how old he is, but he looks like in his 40s. Like, it's very weird that he comes back. It's like, dude, you lived like your whole life here. Yeah, you should probably know. Again old school movies where they don't cast to look like the actual character should look. 
Oh, well. Also, they talk about how the older brother is supposed to be holding the estate and how that's supposed to usually make the younger son not like the older son. And then they're just like, well, I guess it doesn't matter anymore because your brother's dead. It's kind of the opposite of the King's speech. I can't think of their names. I know it's historically accurate, the King's speech. King George. Where one of them abdicates the throne because he just wants to go off and live a normal life. And then the other one has to take responsibility. This is the more traditional. The older brother is going to inherit the state. So the younger brother's like, screw this. I'm I'm headed off. I'm going to go to America, I guess. That's where he got the accent. <laughs> and uh, And then comes back only when his brother dies in a tragic hunting accident. So he's turned the attic into a uh, observatory, and it looks like, wow, that was an attic before? It certainly does not look like it one. It is beautiful. It's really pretty. Yeah. And they have an enormous telescope. It is yeah. It is absurdly large. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's supposed to look at the stars. You got to see really far with it. So then basically he's like a peeping Tom and looks into this girl's Yeah, oh, totally. This has room. a lot of really weird social politics in this movie half of it can be attributed to the fact that hey back then social relationships between men and women were completely different the other half is no he's just a fucking creeper he is totally weird and creepy through this entire movie yeah but so he he looks at this girl and he's like ooh, and so he goes out to meet her and then he totally is just like do you have because she works in a antique shop, shop antique shop and he's like, do you have these types of earrings? And she's like, no. And he's like, I saw them in your on your dresser drawer. What I'm really looking for is uh, something half moon shaped with spangles on it, golden. Oh, I'm sorry. We haven't any like that just now. Oh, yes, you have. Don't you remember? On your dressing table up in your room. In my room? Yes. Would you mind getting them for me? What the? And then he continues to gaslight her by pretending that he's psychic. And she doesn't believe him, but she, he's not giving up the real answer to how he knows. And I guess we're supposed to think that she thinks he's charming, even yeah. though, like, he keeps asking her if he can take her out, and she keeps saying no. You know who's actually kind of charming? Her fiancé. He's all right. He's kind of a dick to him when it comes to the shooting thing, but otherwise he's like, hey, you know, later on in the movie, he's like, hey, I just want you to know that I'm not jealous. Let's bring him over. He can hang out with us together. I really want to get to know this guy that you like. And he seems like a really cool dude, and she just totally cheats on him. Right, so she, like I said, she keeps saying no. And it's movies like this that perpetuated the idea that no means yes. And women play hard to get and, oh, they're only saying no because society won't let them say yes, but they really want it. It's awful. It's awful. So then he shows up, but he like pretends like he's not there and she's obviously upset that he's not there. Uh-huh. And then he takes her out and she like is like, well, here's my friend. And he's upset about he's it. He's seriously upset. He's like, mm, uh, I don't want to go. <laughs> Which is just crazy to me. It's just like... Okay. She wasn't that bad looking either. He could take two beautiful women out. like. And then and then she just drops the fact that, oh, by the way, I'm totally engaged. And it's yeah. like, nobody cares. Well, whatever. Uh -huh. like, I'm going to keep taking you out and I'm going to change your mind. Yeah. So fucked up. Yeah, no. The, like I said, the social politics in this movie, reflective of the time, but the social politics of the time, really fucked. <laughs> so also, the fact that he buys that cane from her... Yes. He's like, I'll just buy a cane. People just did that just as an accessory? Like, uh, yeah, I'm walking around uh -huh. with this cane. Totally. Don't need it. I mean, it. earlier, yeah, but it, 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 it was a thing. You just had a walking stick. Everybody in this town seems to know about werewolves. Like, every single person he talks to knows this stuff. We hear that poem that Chris was just talking about three times. Oh, yeah, because everyone knows it. How does it go? Even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolf bane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. That's funny. That's the same thing the girl in the antique shop said. She knows it, his father knows it, and the girlfriend knows it. Mm -hmm. Like, they all know it and they all recite it. So they're there getting their fortunes told and the guy, Bela Lugosi, he is a werewolf and he realizes, oh my god, I'm going to eat her because he sees He sees the sign when he tries to read the poem. He, yeah. He's like, you must leave! And she's like, what? And he's like, no, you need to go. And she's like, yes, I'm going. Go quickly. Go. Yes. Yes, I'm going. And it was so, <laughs> so funny. Part of me is thinking, you can't stay around here because I might hurt you and I don't want to. And obviously his mom thinks that he had a, it was a curse 
that he bared. He didn't he didn't like it, right? But then the other part of me is is also thinking that maybe he's just thinking, I don't have to read your palm because I'm just gonna kill you anyway. So get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I was really stoked when I realized it was Randolph Duke from Trading Places. From Trading Places and Coming to America, yeah. So if you've seen Trading Places, then you remember the two old guys, the Duke brothers that you know, are the ones that screw Ghostbuster guy, Dan Aykroyd. Ghostbuster guy. <laughs> and gives all this money and life and wealth to... Uh, Eddie Murphy. Yes. And so that is Ralph Bellamy. And I was like, played, I know that voice. He played Colonel Montford, the, the detective that was trying to solve the mystery of these people dying. So who dies? Well, because he he uh, he sees the girl being attacked, our main guy, Lon Chaney, he sees the girl being attacked and he attacks the wolf and the wolf ends up being Bela Lugosi. Mm-hmm. And so when Randolph Duke comes and <laughs> investigates, he's like, this is a man. He said it was a wolf. And so they all uh-huh. think he's just a crazy man. And he says, I was bit, see? And then he doesn't have any marks anymore. And then Lon Chaney kind of goes into this crying mode. I don't know if you noticed, but he's constantly crying after. Yeah, this he part. flips out, and and he gets he gets really emotional all the time because he thinks everyone thinks he's a murderer, and everyone kind of does treat him like he's insane just because he is attesting that he saw what he saw, and everyone's like, "That's nuts." He's just over emotional, and he's crazy. Like so. Even if he's not guilty of murder, they're still treating him like he's crazy. The, the entire movie. His dad, everybody. And they're like, what is going on with this guy? And they're following him everywhere. And it's really weird and bizarre. But so, like, at one point, he sees them carrying in the body in the coffin into, like, the mausoleum. Because they're waiting for the gypsies to show up for the funeral. And he hears the mom saying something to him about rest now or whatever. And then he just starts crying over the dead body. And I'm yeah. like, what is, why are you crying? Because he thinks he killed the man. He thinks he must be crazy. And that amplifies the fact that he killed the man. So he's crazy and he's a murderer. He's really worried that that's the case. But he can't tell anybody that. Because then he'll get arrested for murder. So the mom of the murdered woman comes by the antique shop and speaks with Gwen's father. And is all up in a tizzy. About how it's Gwen's fault for hanging around a strange man when she's already engaged and she's behaving like a hussy and that got her daughter killed. And uh, the father, who's an awesome father, just isn't standing for it, but they're still overwhelming him. And Larry, Lon, Ch- Lon Chaney Jr., comes in and, and defends her as well. And oh, oh, they go, oh, oh, God, no, oh, don't get, stay, stay away from me, you brutes. And then they leave. This isn't over. Don't you dare touch me. You and your fine daughter. You've not heard the last of this. (laughs) So he comes to talk to Gwen and Gwen is obviously perturbed. And that's when her fiance ends up showing up. And that's where we first meet the fiance and his dog barks at Larry. And then after Lon Chaney leaves, after the dog's been barking at him, the fiance says, there's something very tragic about that man. Well, there's something very tragic about that man. Well, yeah, he's acting very fucked up the entire movie after this point. But I thought that was a funny thing to say. And then, like, they get to the fair, I guess, that pops so up. So they say when the gypsies first show up in the movie, they say that they come every autumn. And so I think this is a natural occurrence where they set up shop and they throw this little fair thing where they dance and they play music and you can play games. And that's how they get their money as they travel from town to town and they hustle for it. So the fiance challenges Lon Chaney to a game of shooting because as Chris says, he says, hey, like, I don't I'm not jealous. Bring him on over. Hang out with us. And Uh I wrote specifically society is weird. (laughs) (laughs) It is weird. Now, this is really over the top, like way over the top. Lon Chaney Jr., because his family is, I guess, a family of huntsmen. They're aristocrats, basically. He's really good at this shooting game. And as soon as a wolf pops up, he just freezes. Starts crying. Yeah. Again, why are you crying? And then he finally shoots and And misses. misses. Potentially on purpose, but also potentially because he's traumatized. And the husband's like, or the fiance is like, bad luck. And then he shoots it. See, that's it. It's just as easy as that. <laughs> it felt very much like they were fighting over the girl until it became that he was about, the about the werewolf. Yeah. yeah. But it was just so over the top and hitting you in the head with it. Like, do you get it yet? Do you get it? And I guess it's, you know, 1940s film. 
people weren't as savvy as they are today, I guess. And you needed to like really hit them over the head with some of this stuff. So then like the next shot that we get somebody, I think it was his father, but somebody said, or maybe it was at the fair. I think the dad's weirdly watching his son's behavior. And he's, he's with the cop too. And he goes, he's been so upset ever since that night. And I was like, wait, how long has it been? It's that been night? like two days or something like that. Yeah, it hasn't been that long. But he goes to see Bella's mother, who is only a few years older, like six years older than him or something like that. And she warns him, hey, you were bitten, right? And he's like, yeah, and let me see the wound. And he shows it to her and it's not there. And she's like, oh, may God have mercy on your soul. Here's this charm that you wear that will protect you you killed the wolf well there's no crime in that is there the wolf was being you're insane i tell you i killed a wolf a plain ordinary wolf take this charm the pentagram the sign of the wolf it can break the evil spell wear this charm over your heart always all right all right i'll take it and he leaves and voluntarily gives it up to Gwen because he wants to protect her. If anyone needs to be protected, it's her. Gwen, I won't need this. I want you to have it. It'll protect you. She wouldn't need to be protected if you wore the freaking charm. Ugh. But in the meantime, she tells all the gypsies and the gypsies spread the word that there's a werewolf here. Guys, pack up, we're heading out. And so it's this mass exodus of gypsies out of here in the middle of this event. And that's where he finds the opportunity to give Gwen a little smoocherini. Oh, my God. Okay, but before we get to that, I wanted to mention that it's pretty surprising that he basically admits to her, I believe I'm a werewolf. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Because you would think that he would be in either A, denial, or mm -hmm. B, certainly wouldn't admit it to a girl well, he's interested in. he's saying either I'm crazy or I'm a werewolf. Like, those are the two options. And he obviously has trouble reconciling that. But so, okay, about this kiss. Yes. She basically keeps trying to rebuff his advances. Yes. Over and over and over again. And then he basically force kisses her. Uh-huh. Super fucked up. Yeah. And and it, it, the implication is, again, that she knows she shouldn't, but she really wants to. And so he makes... See, even if that was the case, he makes the decision for her. Like, it's it's totally without consent. Like, it's at all. And then as soon as he gets interrupted, some noise happens or something, she runs away. Yeah. And my response to that is... Clearly, she doesn't want it, A. Yeah. And B, what would he have done if he hadn't been interrupted? And that's from, that's the fucked up implications here. Is, yeah. And it, it, I think it really... And this is our hero. And it really shows what women have to go through. Yeah. Women are taught to be kind, to not be mean, and docile. to be docile mm -hmm. and sweet and good-natured. And so whenever we say no and we put our foot down, we're looked at as being a bitch. Well, think back to when the mother of the murdered woman comes to the antique shop. It's not, there's this strange man that was there. He killed another man and my daughter is also dead. Like, either the dead man or this stranger, Larry, kills her. And her first instinct is to go chastise the woman who was with him. Like, like, is this that it's her responsibility and it's her fault, which is why I was happy that the father was like, no, she's a great girl and she didn't do anything wrong. Like, I at least liked the father and I think Claude like, Rains. He I was a nice father, too. I think you're kind of looking over the fact that if she hadn't invited her, she wouldn't have gone. Yeah, but that's that's there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Who cares? She invited her along like. You, you do that all the time when you go out to events, especially back then. You go in groups. That's why I was so surprised when he was surprised that she brought a friend. Yeah, it's like, uh -huh. isn't this normal for No, back he then? wanted to be alone so he could have his way with her, the creep. Exactly. He wanted to do whatever the fuck he could before she had a chance to run away. Yep. It's super messed up. It is. I, so I wrote down, was this scary? Was this considered scary? Well, it's 1941, and you didn't really see stuff like this. There's the transformation, which which was a, I think they're called exposure takes or something similar to that, where obviously they can't make this stuff happen in front of the camera. So instead they do, they do long fades 
like crossfades between transitions and it's like six shots of him transforming and you only ever see his feet until the end uh you only ever see his feet transforming and what they used were yak hair singed with the curling iron and uh attached with spirit gum and that was to his face his legs his arms and they used a rubber nose as well but otherwise like that's all it was it was makeup a rubber nose and yak hair but it's just, it's so funny because nothing about it is scary to, in today's standards. Well, see, it's a, it's a, it's a psychological thing. Going back to the definition of lycanthropy, it's a, it's a story. And the father says this as well when he talks about the history of the, the, the lore of the werewolf. He talks about how it's really a story about man versus the evil that's inside of him. And that's what it's all about. And that's what's scary is what's inside of a man is a brutal monster. And that's the dichotomy of man. How he is when he's Larry and how he is when he's the wolf. But guess what? In this case, how he is when he's Larry is kind of fucked up too. Yeah. But anyway, we need to watch a bunch of Lunch in these movies. He's been in a lot of things I would love to see. Yeah. And he's really good. Yeah. I mean, he has this this commanding voice and this presence about him. And yeah, he's breaking down all the time, but that's the needs of the character. I thought he did a really good job, and there's not enough that I have seen of him. So the the people that are like, okay, fine. You say there's a wolf. Okay, we'll set traps and we'll try to find it. They put out a bear trap and he gets caught in it. He doesn't howl from pain. Nothing. It's just like, damn it. Yeah, he's caught and he drags it along behind yeah, him. He yeah, he steps uh, on it and stuff. Uh-huh. I'm just like, wait, wait. Is this movie really trying to say that bear traps don't? Maybe, I don't know, I didn't look it up. They, I was thinking at the time that maybe they just weren't quite as brutal as what we know today. Um, and they were there literally just as a trap and not as injuring them. Or maybe it's designed to break their bones and he's just really strong, you know. I don't know. Anyway, so then the lady comes by and she gets him out and he becomes a man again. And They aren't really clear about, like, when and why you change it's always seems to be at night yeah it's it's when it's when the the moon is bright oh and the wolf bane blooms so it's like certain times of year and the gypsy woman is just there she's just hanging out i don't like she's not protecting anybody she just kind of collects a body like that's all she 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 does ever is she's going around with this cart there to like carry bodies away or something like that's all she's there for like she could leave she's not helping anybody in this instance although she does explain in the end what happens to him they're all out hunting and as he's a a wolf he gets beaten by his father what happens i forget so claude rains knows that his son is out basically and he kind of wants to save him Uh uh-huh or kill him before anyone else can basically so he comes across him and he attacks, his yeah. son attacks him. So he ends up killing him with the cane. Right. And then the gypsy woman is there to tell the story about how he was cursed. And now that he's dead, he can live a life in peace. It's exactly the same story with Bella Lugosi. The way you walked was thorny, through no fault of your own. But as the rain enters the soil, the river enters the sea. So tears run to a predestined end. Your suffering is over. Now you will find peace for eternity. And then Gwen sees him and the end. Yes, that is the last line. Larry! And then it just cuts to the credits. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that's also where we see the only transformation of his face, where he transforms back into Larry. And then we're like, holy shit, it's Larry the whole time. And the end. And then that's it. This movie is like an hour and ten minutes or something like that long. It's really not that long. You could see it on your lunch break, practically. So, an interesting thing about this movie that I read. Kurt Siodmak, or however you pronounce his name... He actually grew up in, or not grew up, but he lived in Nazi Germany. And he fled to America, I believe, uh, from Nazi Germany. But, because this is 1941, like the war was still going on at the time. So he wrote this movie as to parallel the emotions of Nazi Germany. Sounds really weird, but 
Larry being taken over by this curse of the werewolf and becoming a, a violent, murderous thing is analogous to Germany going from what it was to this monster when not the curse of Nazism took it over. And you see the victims of the werewolf curse or the Nazi curse are identified by a five-pointed star on them, just like the Jews were in Nazi Germany. So I didn't realize that when I read that. I was like, holy shit, like, of course that's what that was. And specifically, Siodmak was in Germany when the Nazis took, came to power. So it's very clearly a parallel, and I had no idea that's what it was. That goes away, and it's not at all what the, <laughs> what the parallel is after this. But for this movie only, it's an interesting parallel about Nazi Germany. I wanted to say, this movie surprised me. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I was not expecting to like it. I was expecting to be bored, and I was not. It was a beautiful movie with interesting characters. It was way more in-depth. Than I ever thought it would have been. Yeah. You expected it to be... Silly. Silly. And especially because the Wolfman legacy after this is silly. You know, Wolfman meets Frankenstein. That was the first universal crossover. And then there's Abbott and Costello. And, and, and so it is kind of silly from here on out. But this first movie is very serious. Yeah, it took itself very seriously. And A lot of horror movies great, are like that. And... The concept is there, and it's well-written. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's a beautiful movie. Aside, it's really good. Aside from the really disgusting social politics, it's a beautiful movie. And I would very highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. It's not that long. It's not that great a commitment. It'll give you really nice context for uh, werewolves in our modern-day culture. Kelsey? Yes. What do you think Rotten Tomatoes gave it? 94. Holy shit, that's exactly right. 94. Wow. <laughs> Overrated or underrated? I'd say it's just about right. Right. I mean, keeping in mind the context of it being a horror classic and starting so much of the lore we know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really, really good. And everyone should see this movie, I mm -hmm. think. So that was The Wolfman, 1941. Moving on to... 2010's The Wolfman <laughs> with Benicio Del Toro and Anthony Hopkins. The story is, from what I hear, we haven't seen it yet, largely unchanged. It uses the same exact story beats that this one did. It is a remake. It's not a retelling of a new recontextualized Wolfman. It is a remake of the original. There are certain variations. The father's role is a little bit different, but it tells the story of a young man coming back to his home, his relationship with his father, him turning into a wolfman, all that still just the same. So I'm really excited to see this. It got kind of panned critically from what I remember. It disappeared from the zeitgeist and it was only seven years ago and I completely forgot that it even existed until you mentioned it. And I was like, oh yeah, they did make that movie, didn't they? I it coming out and i remember no one saying anything good about it it won one academy award so it is now the academy award winning wolfman <laughs> uh i say wolfman because there's no space in this one <laughs> it's just one word wolfman and it it won best makeup so i'm excited to see what they do with the werewolf special yeah i mean here. that's probably the biggest complaint i would have about the, aside from sexual politics yeah <laughs> Like Chris said, all you get to see are a couple of fades of the feet turning, yeah. and then all of a sudden he's got this face. And I, I, for the time, I'd say it was fine. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Forty-one. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say it was good, but I'm I'm excited because we've seen American Werewolf in London, and they had fantastic special effects. Yeah. So I can only imagine that in 2010 it got even better. Yeah, I mean, 30 years after this movie is roughly. Is American Werewolf in London, and then 30 years, roughly, a little bit more after that, is this. So, yeah, I'm really excited to see what they do with this and how awful it's going to be. I hope it's really campy, but I doubt it. I think it's going to take itself really super seriously, but and that's where it's going to fall apart. But this one did, and we apart. liked it a lot. Right, but it wasn't so much camp. Like... No, it was very serious, and that's right. what we liked about it. Right, you're right, but it wasn't it wasn't bad. When something's serious and bad, <laughs> like, that's not okay. If it's campy and bad, then it's okay. Uh. So, in any case, we're going to stop here and watch 2010's The Wolfman. Lo and behold, the prodigal son returns. Hello, father. You've come for the funeral. What happened? Your brother's body was found in a ditch. 
They've been torn to pieces. If there's anything you need, please let me know. I want to know what happened to him. Francis Abilene, Scotland Yard. I cannot stress enough the mortal peril you're in. What kind of animal could have done such a thing? You're risking your life. Darkness comes for you. He's been quite seriously injured. Thank you for staying with me. Now we know it's still out there. You were bitten by the beast. You bear his mark now. You believe in curses. <laughs> you have to leave. What are you afraid of? There are those who doubt the power to change men into beasts. A beast has come among us. Terrible things, Lawrence. You've done terrible things. Be strong, son. Be strong. I am what they say I am. I'm a monster. I will kill all of you! Let me help you. All right, Kels. Yes? What's the Wolfman about? The Wolfman is practically the same as the Wolfman. I think we can, I feel like we can stop there and just get into the conversation yeah. here. Because I think that's really, really important. I I had a bunch of comments, right? Some are completely independent of the fact that this is a remake. But I sorted the rest into what is the same as the original and what is different. And the same, two comments. It's the same Universal logo, but in HD. And the poem is the same. It doesn't say full moon, it says autumn moon. So they go back to the original conversion style where it doesn't have to be a full moon. They don't get a forced conversion at the full moon, it's the autumn moon. And then every other comment I have about the comparisons between this and the other movie are the ways that it's different. It seems like the whole philosophy of making this movie was let's follow key plot points and then every single time we do something similar to the original, we're going to flip it and reverse it. Every single time. So, things like we see the werewolf really, really early. Right? Gwen is now the brother's ex. And she was engaged to him when he disappeared. Uh, she's come to fetch him. She came to fetch Benicio del Toro. He gets the cane, but it's given to him by some rando. Right? So they still have the cane, but some rando gives it to him. So he gets the cane from Max von Sydow, some fucking rando. It doesn't have a pentagram. You get to the house. The dad's house is in disarray. Instead of being this really nice place that we commented on how beautiful it was. Say what the house is, though. The house is the Chatsworth house, which is a real house in uh, Derbyshire, England. And it's also the place where Pride and Prejudice took place. Where Mr. Darcy lives. Yes. And uh, we're going to be going there next year. So that's we're gonna exciting. We're going to see it when we go to England. Yeah. that That's very, very exciting. But the house is in disarray. Again, as opposed to being a neat, nice, tidy place that's very beautiful. This movie has the bear that the first one didn't have. We talked briefly about how there was originally going to be a bear in the first one. Then it ran away. <laughs> this one has the bear. Did you know that's just reused content from the Golden Compass? They turned a polar bear into a grizzly bear and just reused the same animation. Um, well, there was a lot of CG in this movie. Yeah, too much. There was so much. Larry and his father don't get along, whereas they got along famously in the original. The mom committed suicide, question mark? They propose in the... Uh, in the story, the circumstances are built in such a way where there's absolutely no suspicion on Benicio del Toro when the person dies for the first time, unless you think that he is a werewolf, which leads us to almost immediately the whole town thinks he's a werewolf, which is, again, opposite to the original one. There is a dog in this one, but originally the dog treats him as an alpha and then eventually gets scared of him instead of just barking at him like the dog in the original was. Um... It's twice as long as the original. I actually wrote down at one point in the movie, the original was over by now. <laughs> yeah, this movie goes on and on and on. Which the, is weird because it's only an hour and 43 minutes. The original, no, the one we saw was two hours long. 
because Uh-oh. it uh, it was the the original cut. Oh, um, lucky us. Yeah, well, it has Max von Sydow in it. He's not in the original one, so I don't know how they explain, or he's not in the uh, the theatrical cut. So I don't know how they explain he gets the the cane. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't come up again. Right. The original I, I wrote down was supposed to make you question reality. We talked about that in the writing of the original, where originally you weren't ever supposed to see the Wolfman. You're just supposed to wonder, is this a mental disorder? This one opens its mouth and removes all doubt. You see the werewolf right away in the very first scene, and then they show you absolutely everything well before the end. You Many people see him transform, like in public settings. It has the exact opposite philosophy of the original movie. And in this film, finally... Larry kills Sir John, his father, as opposed to the original where Sir John kills Larry. It's like every last little element, we're like, yeah, no, we'll stick to the main thread of what happens, but we're going to turn everything around backwards and to its detriment. Kelsey, I wrote down at one point, I think I hate this movie. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I hate this movie. It was very garbage. Do you have anything you'd like to say about that? Uh, yes, I absolutely felt that it was really bad, which is why I was so surprised when I was looking up stuff about this movie. There's a lot of reviews that are really good. So I think, I think that's because the movie kind of wants to be Sleepy Hollow. It really wants to be a Tim Burton movie. It even has a Danny Elfman score. Oh. That they originally got rid of because it didn't match the tone that they were going for. And then they changed it back because that tone wasn't working. So obviously they had a lot of problems with tone that they did not rectify by the time this was released. It is all over the place. Yes. It's wacky. It's serious. I think I wrote that down. It's it, it doesn't know what it wants to do. And as a result, this movie is not scary at all. Nope. And it is not funny. At all. And it's like it tries to be both and it fails miserably at both. Yes. Like, the only way it's funny is in the bad ways where it's like, wow, this is so bad it's laughable. I want to talk about Benicio Del Toro. This was a big shame for him because I think he's a great actor. He is. And this was just, what are you doing? Like, I don't, I didn't understand his characters motivations through half of the film (laughs) no joke i put here what is benicio del toro doing (laughs) yeah throughout he's just changing his persona well he is one of i i also wrote that he's one of the strangest actors that you could get right and you have him not only playing just a straight dude but an actor and a classic actor as well which benicio del toro is not alas poor yorick I knew him, Horatio, a fellow of infinite jest, of most excellent fancy. He hath borne me on his back a thousand times, and now, how abhorred in my imagination it is, my gorge rises at it. It was completely miscast. I thought maybe it would pull off, uh, like they'd pull it off when it got to the part where he's starting to transform and dealing with the monsterism inside of him, monstrousness inside of him. But no, absolutely. It, it just never pays off the casting of Benicio Del Toro. They really should have picked someone else. I almost feel like they picked him simply because he looks like he could be half gypsy. Half white. And, and, and kind of animalistic. And that's it. Because he, he cannot pull off this role. I'm sorry. Great actor. This is not the role for him. And it left me wondering, is that what his real voice sounds like? Because I had a very specific idea of what Benicio Del Toro sounds like. I know he changes it for certain roles. Like in Sin City, he, you know, does the whole, like, I'm not going to try to do an impression. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But he has a very specific sound his voice. But in most movies... I think this is his normal voice, yeah. That's weird, because mm-hmm. in most movies, he's got kind of a nasally sound. No, he does like a whisper. Like, did you remember when he was the collector in, in Guardians of the Galaxy? You know, he has kind of a weird sort of whispery voice. I, I suppose, but this was a very... It did not sound natural. No, He no. sounded bizarre throughout the movie. And, yeah, I just didn't get it. Speaking of not natural, they have a Sikh servant. For... <laughs> What reason? Again, it feels like a Tim Burton touch, right? And then they don't shut 
up about the Sikh manservant. They just keep bringing him up over and over and over again. And every time they talk about him, they call him a Sikh. And I get it, it's probably racist back then during the time. Not even a race, but still. Um, yeah, it's, it's probably awful and prejudice. But they just don't shut up about the fact that he's Sikh. And then it doesn't enter into the story for any reason. And then, no reason at all, and I don't think they even explain how or why, he's just dead. I don't even remember that. You just find his body, like, I, impaled I gotta tell or you, like listeners, that. the last half hour of this movie, I totally checked out. I yeah, was it's, so... It's boring. Oh, my God. It's not well put together. I mean, Chris really hit it. Like, this movie does not know what it wants to be. The tone is constantly changing. Sometimes, all of a sudden, it wants to be an action movie. Yeah. Or a horror movie. And then sometimes <sighs> it wants to be a drama. And then sometimes it wants to be a comedy. And it's just like... Action movie. What is going on? In the end, you and I both had the same reaction. What? Wait, what? How did the fire start? <laughs> yes, there's all of a sudden a fire at the end in the house. It's just randomly for no reason. They don't explain how the fire starts. It's just... <sighs> the house gets engulfed in flames. And throughout the beginning of the film, I was I kept asking Chris, and Chris didn't think I was right, and I ended up being right, but I had no business being right, because it keeps dropping hints, so you find out, eventually, that Anthony Hopkins is... A werewolf. A werewolf. Yes. And it's like a family thing. It's not necessarily a bite thing. I don't know. No, See, he it's was not bitten. clear. He yeah, no, I know he the, was bitten. The kid in uh, yeah. the mountains, this random Anthony story. Anthony Hopkins it's was, yeah. So weird. But I mean, what I mean to say is, like, I, I, they treat it like it's hereditary, but then they also have the bite thing. So it's just, it's just random that they happen to be related and both get bitten. Okay. <laughs> well, he is bit by his father, and his father was bit by the kid in the mountains. Yeah. But anyway, so Anthony Hopkins ends up being a werewolf, and throughout the film, there are a lot of hints dropped about it. Yeah. So I constantly was turning to Chris and being like, is he a werewolf? And Chris just kept saying, no. <laughs> because even though it gives you these hints, it, spooky, also, creepy. it also just doesn't seem to fit with what's happening in the story. Like... At one point, um, Anthony Hopkins goes into the dark and his eyes glow. And at one point, I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain because this movie was so all over the, all over the place that I don't really remember. But there were a lot of hints dropped that Hopkins was a werewolf, but then it made you feel like an idiot for thinking that yeah. at the same time. And so we had to find out when Benicio Del Toro goes into the catacombs below the house and finds... A chair that I assume Anthony Hopkins gets strapped in, facing a, a portrait of his wife. The servant puts him in there. Yeah, you know when when he's going to transform, and he and, and so he can't go anywhere, right? And so he protects himself and others. But then, same dude, Anthony Hopkins, kicks his son out of the house. They're in that room, and well, he kicks his point, son out. Hopkins has gone a little crazy. Yeah, he's a little nuts. Yeah. They don't explain why. They don't give you any reason. Like, Hopkins acts like he was obsessed with his wife, but he bit his, bit and killed his wife. Yeah. And um, Benicio Del Toro saw that as a child, but for some reason in his mind, Hopkins looked like a human until the memory gets released. And it's just... It's very strange. And then Hopkins talks about, you know, I used to, I locked myself up in here for years. And it's like, is that because you killed your wife? They don't really explain that. Yeah. And then he, and then he's like, and then randomly I decided, fuck it. I'm going to run around and be an animal because it's so freeing. Also. And then I killed my son. Right. That's what I was going to get to. The dad killed the older brother. It wasn't a hunting accident. He killed the older brother. Do you remember why? The son was going to leave. The son was going to move out of the house. Oh, that's right. And, and Anthony Hopkins couldn't stand his only remaining son leaving too and fucking killed him. He raged and killed him. Why? Why was that necessary? It was very strange. It didn't make a lot of sense. I literally wrote after that line, what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> I wrote the very first thing I wrote down, which I think is saying a lot because... Obviously, I didn't do it immediately, but, like, I don't know, 15 minutes into the movie, I wrote, the acting, the special effects, the direction, the writing, it's just all bad. It's all bad. And we didn't talk about this. We just happened to 
agree <laughs> coming into this recording that it's it's a really bad movie. And um, I wrote when I wrote, I, I I think I hate this movie. I followed that up with I said this or I typed this right as Emily Blunt. We haven't talked about her at all. Right as she laughs because she ends up successfully skipping the stone. Oh, <laughs> oh. Okay, well, at least Emily Blunt is charming. And that's, like, the only thing this movie has going for well, it. Because Emily Blunt took it pretty seriously. Yeah. And just played it like this is really happening. And she just, like, well, if I was a wife and I mean, if I was a fiancé and my husband mysteriously died, you know, or disappeared and I'm relying on this family to help me because I don't know what to do now. Yeah. I feel like she took it pretty seriously and she's the only one in the movie that I felt like I actually believe this performance. The only thing I didn't like about her, her character, I should say specifically, is that because she doesn't want to get Benicio Del Toro shot, she gets Agent Smith bitten. And so it just perpetuates this whole thing. And Agent Smith is a whole other part of this movie. He comes in like almost halfway through the movie and just starts giving shit to Benicio Del Toro's character to Larry for no reason. Like he comes to his, to his house to ask him questions because he was there when the werewolf attacked. Now everyone agrees. They saw him. They saw the werewolf. The werewolf was terrorizing the gypsy camp and Benicio Del Toro saved somebody. But for some reason, Agent Smith suspects something about Benicio Del Toro. Yeah. Fucking why? I don't know if Everyone the... saw that he didn't do anything and he actually saved somebody. Why are we giving this man shit? I don't know if it's the editing, like they took parts out. It or, must be that. Or it must be. If it went through a bunch of rewrites. I don't know. I... <laughs> and he plays it very much like Agent Smith. I mean, he's already got that kind of going against him in every movie. I can't watch any movie with him and not think, Mr. Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> but he plays this character like Agent Smith. Yeah. Very much. So... From The Matrix, if you... What? I don't know. Are you 107 and don't know what The Matrix is? Are you four? You shouldn't be listening to this. <laughs> another cool... Well, not another cool. What am I saying? One of the only cool things about the movie is it has a lot of connections to, instead of the original Wolfman, is an American werewolf in London. There are a lot of allusions to an American werewolf in so London. So one of the officers, one of the inspectors is the dart player from American Werewolf in London. He's, you know, the guy who talks to him outside, who talks to the doctor outside and gives him the warning. The There's something wrong with this place. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, that's him. Uh, both movies had their makeup designed by Rick Baker. David Schofeld, the, the Inspector Nye. When we first meet him, we meet him in the local pub, which looks a lot like the Slaughtered Lamb from American Werewolf in London. This movie is also about... An American werewolf in London. Well, they're not really in London, but in England. In yeah. England, in rural London. Because I again, guess. Benicio del Toro is American. They decided to keep that part yeah. for some reason. <laughs> He's also randomly in the gypsy camp when the werewolf attacks, and that's where we learn that he can only be killed by somebody who loves him, which isn't in the original Wolfman. It is in American Werewolf in London. I'm sure I'll find them. But yeah, there's a lot of moments in this movie that felt very much like American Werewolf in London. I only have one last thing to say, I think. Then we can get into lightning round and you can you can talk about that. I've got a ton of stuff to okay, talk about. Okay, so let me say my last thing and then we can get into a dedicated to Kelsey lightning round. And that is the dad leaps at him for the killing blow. And he's on his back and he just like lifts up his legs and pushes him away. Like, really, really bad wrestling move. And he goes right into the fire and catches fire and dies. Like, this great epic fight of werewolf against werewolf, father against son, and it ends with a... <laughs> like, that's how it ends. It was ridiculous. Kelsey, I hated this movie. It was bad. Lightning round, go ahead. So I did mention earlier the CG of this film. CG is everywhere. I mean, his entire transformation, which sometimes was good and sometimes was really bad, um, was all CG. There were no practical effects. 
for some reason, there's CG all over Anthony Hopkins' face. Did you notice that? No, I didn't notice that. It was weird looking. It was unnecessary. And I just, I was very confused. And then the house that we were talking about that we're going to go see in England is a very, yeah, Chatsworth. It's a very well-kept home. That's why people still go to see it. So to make it look like Chris said, all in disarray, they have CG vines vines on it and dust and Mm -hmm. it looks so bad. It looks really, really bad. Yeah. And I mean, this is what, 2010? Yes. There's no excuse. No excuse. It didn't need to be that bad. This movie did win an Academy Award for Best Makeup for Rick Baker. But like, that's... Hmm. There wasn't much makeup. Okay, so when... Benicio Del Toro shows up. He's like, oh, where's my brother's fiance? And she's asleep in her room is what the uh, butler says. Yeah. And I'm like, wait. She lives there because she was engaged to the son. So she lived in the house? How was that ever appropriate? Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was bizarre. I was so like, wait, what? They weren't married yet. Yeah, they yeah, weren't uh-huh. married yet. She has her own room. She's staying there. What does this woman, where does this woman come from? Where's her family? Right, What's we, we got her family story? in the original. No family in this one. It, yeah, she seems like an ancillary character just to provide a little bit of romance and a reason for Benicio Del Toro to come home. Right. When Benicio Del Toro goes to look at his brother's body, they're keeping him in a meat locker, which I thought was odd. It cools his, it keeps him cool so no, he doesn't I get, rot. I get they don't that. have any other solutions. But, but. In the original, they just put him in a coffin, because that's what you'd expect them to do. <laughs> Where did the idea for the silver come from? They never explain that. And in the film, it's just like, oh, we're just making silver bullets, even though no one said anything about silver bullets. Yeah, no, I think the Sikh guy did, and that's when he reveals that uh, that he has the bullets, which goes nowhere because the father took the gunpowder out of them many years ago anyway. I wrote, how are there so many ridiculous moments in a movie that takes itself so seriously? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So the part when he turns into the werewolf for the first time in the gypsy camp felt very much like a video game to me. Uh Uh-huh. He's walking through, like, fog, and then suddenly someone will appear, and he has to attack him. And he's Uh walking, and then there's fog, and then there's a person, and he has to fight him. It felt very much like a video game. Thankfully, there was never a video game made out of this. (laughs) There were a lot of strange, bad cuts. There were sudden tone shifts, like it would go from being really loud to being totally silent. Like the part where he's walking through the village... Yeah. Attacking people. It was really loud. And then all of a sudden, silence. Uh Uh-huh. Very jarring. They had a really weird cut. They had several weird cuts where it would go like moon. And then all of a sudden her face. And it was was And there were a lot of like uh, fast motion, like sped up cuts. Yeah. No, it was bad. Bad, 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 bad. I did write pretty shot of her in the wind, though. I guess her hair was probably She's like the the only good part about this movie. The creature did catch me off guard that he keeps dreaming about. That ends up being the thing that that turned his father into a werewolf. Oh, yeah. The first time, that did make me jump. Yeah, I, the, I wasn't the, expecting it. The crazy boy, the... It's like a I forget how they describe him, child. but it's a feral boy or something. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I wrote a uh, very American werewolf when she's, like, nursing him back to hell. Yeah. And she's reading to him in bed. Mm-hmm. And she tries to be like, hey, it's me and I love you when he's in werewolf mode. Mm-hmm. That same thing from American Werewolf. I wrote that a lot of scenes felt very much like Interview with the Vampire, too. Like there's a part when he's darker, but yeah, when he's looking at her and it focuses in on her neck, uh huh, and which has no place in a werewolf movie. Yeah, it has no place in a werewolf movie. This makes sense in American Interview with the Vampire because they want their blood. Why uh is he focusing in on her heartbeat? Yeah, and also why does he attack people? It's never really clearly stated. It seems like he kills people for sport at times, and then it also seems like he wants to eat people at Uh times. Not explained. Nope. I wrote, they obviously loved the original, even though their version doesn't make any sense. No. What was the asylum shit? There was this whole part where he gets sent off to an asylum for like a month. So. It's just this torturous moment so for they no do this, reason. They do this thing in the original where they're all like, hey, he obviously has some mental problems, right? He just needs to, he just needs to rest. 
and then he'll feel better, right? So this takes that and be like, no, wouldn't the crazy horror thing be to send him to an asylum? And for a minute there, I was like, oh, the asylum stuff is the only interesting stuff in this entire movie. And then it was like, oh, but it has no point and no bearing on anything. It was pointless. Dunking him in the water to torture him. Yeah, it was just torture. Like Just so then we can see him transform in front of everybody and get, again, that dead confirmation that he is absolutely a werewolf and not just crazy. They do a psychological performance that says exactly that, where the guy making the argument that it's all in his head is murdered by the werewolf. He says, I will sprout wings and fly out this window. You will not become a werewolf any more than I will sprout wings and fly out of that window. And so, of course, the werewolf grabs him and throws him out the window. <laughs> Isn't it so clever and funny? And just shits on everything the original did. It felt very much like Terminator 2. You know, she's in the asylum. Yeah. No one believes her. Uh-huh. She's basically she's being abused. tortured. Yeah. Uh-huh. But guess what? Terminator 2 did it right. Yeah. I don't know how to explain the difference there's not a lot i mean this felt very forced and out of place yeah and it was like anthony hopkins was stoked about his son being sent to a mental asylum uh-huh. for no good reason he's what, like he's where like does hey, hopkins craziness hey, come from wake up you had a long and crazy night terrible things lawrence you've done terrible things and the guy's like oh my god i'm covered with blood And he starts to run away and Anthony Hopkins is just like, bye. And then this cavalry comes in and rounds him up. And he's like, huh, all right then. And like, that's his only reaction. Like, what is this movie? Especially since he supposedly desperately didn't want his son to leave. Then he's just like, oh, this son can leave though. Yeah, uh uh-huh. This is the no good son. (laughs) Did you have anything else? There's a lot of bad continuity in this movie. You it's talk like about the continuity. fire, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. But there's just so much stuff that it's just like, wait, she was just doing this and now she's doing that. And I can't think of the examples, but constantly I was just like, what is this editing? What is this cut of this movie? It was terrible. And this is the longer cut. Like the shorter cut would have made even less sense. One of the examples of the continuity that I wrote was that at one point she's she takes off her jacket to show that she's got a sleeveless dress on. In the next shot, she's wearing a long sleeve dress. That's weird. It's like bad. Like, you have to get a completely different costume. It's really bad. Yeah. And, like I said, this movie got a lot of good reviews that I saw. Which well, shocked me. I, you're probably talking about, like, Tumblr reviews, right? <laughs> talking about IMDb, and yes, it's users, probably not critics, yeah. But I'm shocked at how many people were just like, this is a forgotten gem, or this movie is so much better than everyone it says is it is. It is forgotten, and I totally get now why it just disappeared into obscurity. Because it's terrible. Yeah. And Anthony Hopkins should be ashamed of himself. <laughs> I wish I could have... I wish I had video of your face when you said you felt so hurt. <laughs> I don't know why I, Benicio Del Toro's performance doesn't make me as angry as Anthony Hopkins No, because he's just miscast. Yeah. Benicio Del Toro's miscast, it's not his fault. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins is pretty well cast, and he does nuts things with this. Well, that's that's why I'm like, I don't know if it's the direction, the acting, or the writing. Well, I think also... Something went horribly wrong. In Anthony Hopkins' old age, he's getting very lazy, and it works for Odin in the Thor movies. It does not work for this. Anyway, speaking of ratings... Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes, what do you think? I hope it's nowhere higher than 39%. 35%. Good! <laughs> The the fan review, the public review on Rotten Tomatoes is 33%, so it's even lower. Good. Overrated or underrated? Probably overrated. Right? I'd probably <laughs> give it a 25%, and I don't even know why I'd give it that 25%. Uh-huh. I just feel like it doesn't deserve a zero for like, some reason. Seriously, like, we watched the Halloween remake, and we did not, like, we stopped that movie the first time we watched it. I... I was angry about how much that movie shit on the original. This, it just doesn't make any sense in any sense at all whatsoever, and that makes me angrier. I don't know why. Yeah, I I can only imagine that it is a mix 
of all of the different elements. Yeah. I, it has to be like I feel like the actors probably gave that perf- their, their first performance and the director was like, "Good, we got it. It's great." Well, apparently the director took over this project with only a couple weeks left in in pre-production, like 2 or 3 weeks or something like that. And so he didn't like that they were using so much CG. And but he just didn't have enough time to plan a practical transformation or anything like that. But still, it, it's no excuse. Just don't do the movie then. And it has to have gone through several rewrites because there's yes. just so many threads of this film that just do not mesh well. Or the writer is just crap and should never make another movie. I feel like the editors were just like, "What do we do with this? I don't know. Splice it up." And it just, it's really really terrible. Yeah. All right. Kelsey, that was 2010's The Wolfman. You've done terrible things. Whether you like it or not, the answer is not. Next time on Pod Cemetery, we are going to do a double feature. Another double feature Black Christmas. Black Christmas. What is Black Christmas, real quick? It's about a murderer um, killing sorority girls around, around Christmas, Christmas time. time. All right, good. We're going to start off December the right way. So yes, the Black Christmas double feature is next week about uh, sorority girls around Christmas time getting murdered. And we've yeah. never, we are huge fans of the original. Yeah, the original's great. Never seen the new one. Nope. So. Excited. Very excited. So we'll go ahead and watch that. Until next time, this has been Pod Cemetery. As always, please share the podcast with your friends. Rate and review on iTunes and subscribe. Email us. Email us at podcemetery at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at podcemetery. And until next time. My name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And as we say at the end of every episode of Pod Cemetery, Even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. Really hated that movie.